You're listening to In The Making, the podcast series from The Cream Room. I'm Martin Lumsden, and this is my chance to have a conversation with artists, producers, writers and performers talking about what it's like to be doing the thing that they love to do. Jay Fisher performs under the name Apple Rabbits and has recently released the EP Oberkampf on Kilburn State Records. Jay has been working as a musician for many years and began recording at an early age. We started by talking about our memories of being young. I wasn't as intelligent as these people. I wasn't as grown up as them. Yeah. So they can be both young and grown up. Yes. Whereas I was just young. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, I was naive and easily led. And I worked mm. with Mike, this guy called Mike Howlett. And I used to do all of my stuff at that point was four-track recordings. And I was mm. just really into four-track recordings. And what I wanted to do was to do that. Pretty much what I'm doing now mm. is what I wanted to do then. Except there's more to it than four-track recording. Mm-hmm. And, but I couldn't tell him. And I remember him being really frustrated with me, just saying, just tell me, you know, there's, what did he say? He said, y- you being shy doesn't mean that you're a nice person. It uh-huh. means that you're an egomaniac, oh. you know. And, and, and he, was, he yeah. just sort of launched into me. It was like, your, your inability to kind of say what you mean, it, it, it doesn't, it's not endearing, you know. Mm. You, you know it's frustrating. Yeah, you're an asshole. <laughs> <laughs> you know, just, just tell me, you know, I can cope. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I, I, could, never, I could never do it. Mm. So I ended up being what seems to me now is very sneaky but at the time it was just because I was so unable to kind of get into conflicts or say what I mean I was so second guessing all the time everyone around me that I ended up falling out with everyone because I then sneakily tried to get out of my record deal or Mm. I didn't like my album and then I would do interviews where I would go oh I hate this but it was my own fault because I didn't I wasn't grown up enough to get what I want I wasn't like these guys was that because you were blaming other were you actually blaming other people for the fact that it wasn't working out or was it more a kind of um, lack of confidence I knew that it was me I knew that it was completely down to me yeah 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 but because I wasn't able to kind of express that I wasn't able to go to them and go jeez you know I'm an idiot yeah, I, yeah. I didn't say what I wanted. I'm, I'm, I'm just, I didn't sort of do a setup with them saying, "Look, I'm sorry. I can be like this," because I just I didn't do it. Mm. So as it is, there are people from the '90s who I'm kind of worried about seeing <laughs> seeing again. But you know, I'm, it's like twenty odd years yeah, later. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's the sort of thing that you you remember that they've forgotten. Sort of probably thing. couldn't even remember it. They'd probably bump into me in the street and wouldn't yeah. even know who I was. You know? The things that we build up as huge significance. Yeah, but the thing is that if you don't, often is when you say it, it then becomes irrelevant. Mm. Like really quickly. Yes. <laughs> For 15 years worth of stuff, <laughs> suddenly becomes irrelevant when someone then turns around and says, yeah, well, it's just, it's just what you were doing. Well, I mean, my main point is because I was listening to your podcast. Mm. And, and I do, I bump into kind of, See, I'm really pleased that I don't find young, young. I know I'm being dwelling on the old thing. Yeah, yeah. I'm really pleased that I find because I expected to get to a certain point in my life and find young musicians scary mm-hmm. because I'm. We're both actually from a time where you got to a certain point in your life. And things were... You had to identify, possibly identify with a group. Yes, yeah, yeah. And then when that group ran out of 
of its coolness, yeah. you then became the butt of everyone's jokes, and yeah. you had to come. Oh, you still like them? Yeah, <laughs> they're not cool anymore. It was a constant, you know, with a kind of popular culture, and and things seem to have changed, and 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 young people are much nicer than they used to be, and so you. You get that kind of, I don't know, if I, it's sort of more, I don't know. I expected to be frightened of what they were doing. Yeah, yeah. And and I'm not frightened of what they're doing. I'm kind of interested in what they're doing. What mm. they're doing. And is it, it's Laura. Lauren. Lauren, sorry. Mm. And what I, what I was thought when I was listening to her was, God, you know, what would it be like to be produced by someone mm. who's from a completely different generation to mm. you? Just, you just, you know, what is their take on you know, yeah, what you're doing? Because I've... That's that would be something new to me. Yeah, yeah. It's it's only flipped though. Is is that not always been the case? I just the the, the example, as is always the case, that kind of tends to pop into my head is the Beatles. Yeah. Um, quite clearly being produced by someone who was from a completely different generation to them, just the other way around. Yeah, was a good thing. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it was a very good thing. Yeah. It wasn't a necessity that it was a contemporary who was um, who was producing them. It was no. And, and that I, that may be the way that things were, because you needed to earn your right to do it, and uh, more so, I think, then than you do now. And that seems like more of a natural thing. That, but it doesn't seem natural to me because I don't feel like I know anymore, and mm. it's quite clear like, that at this point in history, I, I don't know anymore. Mm-hmm. I mean, everything I know is kind of you can just Google it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So things have changed. I mean, you don't. We don't. Need you know? Don't need to look to an older person to produce your no. album. You just need someone who has some ideas. Yeah, yeah, and that's it. And that's kind of that's kind of. I I, I think that's a bit new. Mm. <laughs> it's a bit of a new idea. I know that other people are, are just listening to you interviewing those guys. You know, on your podcast, you you were just like, oh no, I completely accept what you're saying. You've had you've had a ten year career, mm. and your natural inclination is to go well how can you but then michael jackson certainly had a by the time he was 20 he'd been around a while he'd been around a while i I remember that they talking about the youth the youth thing going back to the beatles again was that their entire catalog of recordings as the beatles yeah was complete and released before any of them were the age of 30 yeah and you go, my God, yeah. really? That whole thing that we that, ev- that virtually everyone is still utterly inspired by and captivated by, yeah, was done by seriously young guys. Yeah, and it it's, it is quite disturbing. Yeah. <laughs> and so does that make you feel old? I don't think any of it makes me feel old. Like I don't feel old. I just feel like I can't really remember stuff. <laughs> <laughs> and I can't really remember if... Because mm. you can listen back to what you did when you were 20. I can listen to back to what I did when I was 16 and go, Christ, that was really good. I like, mm. you know, I can hear not even a progression. What were you doing when you were 16? Tell me about that. When I was 16... I was a kind. I was a drawing kid, so I used mm. to draw. I would. There were two. My two main occupations were drawing mm. and taping, absolutely everything. So mm. taping people talking, taping cars going past. I use a lot of these recordings now mm. on my stuff because I'm still doing the same thing. I'm still doing that same thing. I was listening to the recording you had of uh, a rainstorm. Oh, exactly. Love that. <laughs> yeah, it's just like just thought this is great. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, so I'm just doing the same thing except there's slightly more things going on. So mm. 
Um, so yeah, so when I was 16, I drew and I taped things. Mm. And then someone lent me a four-track recorder. I had a keyboard as well. So I would bounce recordings as well. So mm. I got taught, I was very lucky, I got taught by this guy called Jake Solo, who's a Nigerian mm-hmm. musician. I, I remember I was 14, it was New Year's Eve, and I said to him, oh, but I can't record it. <laughs> <laughs> and, and he said, look, two tape decks... And it was back. It was back in the eighties, where mm. you know, like a, a normal kind of tape machine. I don't even what you call them, boombox or whatever. Would would have inputs and outputs and microphones and mic sockets and you know just yeah, have yeah, everything. Yeah. If you wanted to go for those, sorts. I always wanted to go for those sorts of ones. I hated when you like someone give you like tape recorder thing and you go like, but there's nowhere to put stuff. Yeah. Oh no. Yeah. Well, these these did yeah. anyway. Or maybe we were a bit posh. Anyway, um, so we had two. So I had two. And he just taught me how to bounce recordings. So mm-hmm. I, that was my thing for from 1984 until I got a four-track recorder when I was 21. Do you remember why, why it was that you wanted to do that? Because that's a kind of... Uh, OK, you're, you're drawing and recording stuff. Do you remember why it was that you wanted to do that? Cause to even to kind of go, I, can't, I don't know how to make recordings, so it's important that I learn how to bounce stuff. Do you remember why? It was just... It, I, some, it's something... It, it is purely, and it's the same thing now, that recording stuff like drawing, I think, that, for me, exactly the same process. Mm. It's about kind of just being in, sort of immersed in something mm. and just kind of making something and kind of forgetting where you... You forget where you are and what you're doing. It's a, it's a great way of getting away from reality. Yeah. <laughs> Not that... I, I do like reality i mean mm. it's fun but it's yeah, nice yeah. to get away from it from time to time well, it's good to have an outlet yeah <laughs> and where's my escape route yeah at it, least for a short period and of it's time. just um i don't know because i say it is a sort of a mildly sort of obsessive thing mm. but it's not it's not that anxious it's kind of probably the least anxious thing that i do so it's just this kind of layering and layering of sound and mm. And I don't even know how it makes me feel. <laughs> but I know that once I've finished it, and then I listen back to it, that I don't know how I did it. Mm. So, so I can't remember the process, and I don't know how I did it, but it's really nice, and yeah. it makes me feel really nice. And that's nice. still true now. Yeah, I, I keep trying to stop. Um, I'll say I have a break, like, mm. I was a, like I was a normal person doing a normal <laughs> job or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm like, oh, I need a break, I'm going to have a holiday. Oh, I'm not going to do music for a bit. And as soon as, and this has happened since I was a kid, as soon as I do that, like the next day, mm, <laughs> I'm on, you know, and I'm, and I'm humming into my tape recorder or something. And, it, and, it's, mm. and it, it's, it could possibly be seen as obsessive, but it's, mm. it's really not horrible. It's lovely. <laughs> I think it's that you could kind of look at it from outside and go, well, it appears obsessive, but I, I don't know. I get the feeling that most kinds of creative callings maybe any kind of calling actually whether you're an athlete um yeah yeah it's just something that you're that you want to do and it becomes it's a pool it's like a physical pool to kind yeah. of go i'm just going to go and it's really do this nice. now so yeah it is, it is obsessive but like that that maybe has negative connotations that aren't necessary yeah when I'm being an old guy sitting here for some reason I've decided to be an old guy today looking back at myself at 21, and I'm sort of annoyed. With, I, I'd be annoyed. I'd, mm. I think I might 
I think I might get me drunk <laughs> and, and and bully me, <laughs> slap you about a little. Yeah. Bit. So when you when you the the experience obviously is something that you look back and think, oh God, I was a bit, I was a bit, whatever I was. Yeah. What about the material? What do you what do you how do you view the material that you produce now? Um, I think some of the songs are quite good. Mm-hmm. Um, some of them, a couple of them. I think a lot of the ideas you can hear the ideas for Apple Rabbits are just are there, mm-hmm. really. Uh, like you can hear them coming through. So there is th- at that odd thing where you listen back to your. Have you you've got recordings that you've done when you were younger, yeah. and you listen back to them and you can hear all of the stuff around you just by. I don't know how it works, but they're, they're brilliant at sort of holding the memories. Mm. And so you can hear all of the other the events and all the thoughts that you were having and all the ideas that you had. Mm. And you can kind of... It's almost like you can check to see what you were like in some way. So I can hear that I was thinking the right way. Mm-hmm. Um, but um, you can hear your I thoughts. hadn't quite let anyone else know. It, yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. And also I wasn't able to do it myself mm-hmm. fully. Um so I wasn't, you know, in, in the at the point that I am now where I can just, you know, mm. write for a viola and mm. know how to write. I had no idea at that point. Yeah, yeah. So, so how did that come about? What was the what's the transition? I mean, that may I'm trying to accelerate things maybe over a long period of time that shouldn't be accelerated. But how did you get from there to here and Apple Rabbits? Well, so I did that. I did the kind of 90s thing where I was a singer-songwriter and then I did a whole thing of saying, I'm not a singer-songwriter. I don't want to be a singer-songwriter and I want to be in a band. Mm -hmm. But I I want to be in a band that has no other members except for me. I think that would be a good idea. The kind of crazy, (laughs) crazy setups. And there's no... I think it's because things are not clearly defined. Mm. There's no clear... Clear definition for it, and genres are, are another thing. What genre? It's this constant question, Charlie. Mm. What genre do you think you're? Electronic jazz, eh, mm. kind of, maybe a bit electronic. Yeah. You know, it's always having maybe this. That, maybe that bit there of that song of that bit, yeah, is maybe electronic. Yeah, jazz, I think. Yeah. yeah. So I then I sort of went back to what I was doing before I became because the singer songwriter thing was a very odd. Mm-hmm. phase in my life. I'd kind of gone from being like tape electronic guy in mm-hmm. the 80s and then became a bass player and then played bass for a bit yep. with people and then um, and then and then had told I was at a, co- a technical college and I told my English teacher who'd run this club called the Gaslight Club in Peterborough, uh-huh. I told him that I could sing uh-huh. And I'd written some songs. Uh-huh. And I was bloody lying. <laughs> 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 and he called my bluff and said, all right, then, you've got yourself a gig. OK. <laughs> and I went, oh, OK, fab. So I then went and borrowed a guitar and had to... And, and I had a Beatles songbook... Uh-huh. And I learned a few Beatles songs, and then I nicked... Well, no, I didn't nick the chords, but I took the chords from them 
and found the chords that I liked yeah. and wrote some songs. And I had about four songs <laughs> and then went into this gig. But I didn't know if I could sing. I was mm. I, I used to get... So being drunk sort of comes up quite a lot. Mm. And so I used to get drunk and go up the hills because we lived in the countryside. Mm-hmm. And I'd sing up the hills. And then I'd test it out on my friends, you know, yeah, yeah. see if I could sing. And so it's like, oh, yeah, all right, it's all right. So <laughs> I then went and did this. So the whole thing was winging it. Yeah, yeah. I went from being a guy in a bedroom. Well, not even in a bedroom, we wherever I was. Yeah doing tape things and not singing to a guy who was on a stage singing and because I'd lo- I wanted to but then the only way to get m- me there was to embarrass myself and lie yeah yeah and so that's what I did yeah yeah so but that's before the 90s bit so that got me to Mike Howlett yeah, yeah. because he'd heard a tape and that was lucky and that was just through a girlfriend so it was all yeah. sort of lucky and winging it and not yeah, knowing yeah, yeah, yeah. and then I got and then in the the later part of the 90s I was involved in sort of dance music and mainly sort of um, big beat sort of stuff. Um, but I was always moaning and trying to get them to do four-track versions of it. <laughs> and This is too big. And no, yeah, but I... Because I, 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 there was a guy called Eamon Tobin, uh, who's a... Is, is a there was, there's a kind of, like, ninja tune... Mm-hmm. style of stuff which was kind of I quite liked and well our first single came out on Ninja Tune and so we got we, we'd get these records of what they were what was coming out and there was some really interesting stuff mm. and, and I just thought why can't we be doing this when everyone was trying to have a hit and I just thought oh no so we then had an idea to do a band and then Apple Rabbit sort of came out of the late 90s mm. And then I just sort of went to work. I just, I kind of, I, I went back to work. I mm-hmm. became a play worker, um, started working with people with disabilities and mm-hmm. just sort of forgot about doing things, yeah, about yeah. doing music. And we'd do music at home, yeah, yeah. but I wouldn't tell anyone about it anymore. Mm-hmm. I just kind of ignored it and just wrote So it became a, like an outlet, or back towards being an outlet, Yeah, I it suppose, just went just, completely yeah, back yeah. to the beginning again. Yeah, yeah. And I was going, and, and I'd have friends who... Um, who were musicians, and I sort of gradually sort of not cut myself off from them. I, I, was a, <laughs> I was a bass player for a bit in a band called the Ukulele Kings, who were an offshoot of the Ukulele Orchestra. <laughs> so I was still kind of involved, but yeah. I was kind of... But I was, and I was a lyricist for a bit for somebody else. But I didn't want to kind of really make the commitment. Mm. Um, and I was happy to do bits and bobs. And it was always nice to work. It's always nice to work with other people and do yeah, things. Yeah. But Apple Rabbits came. I went. I was just doing it by myself, and I went off to live. Everything got a little bit mad and desperate, <laughs> and I had no money. Mm-hmm. And uh, I kept. I kept moving because I kept having to leave places because I had no money. And I told the bank, "You can either let me." pay this off a little bit by little bit or you're never going to see me again <laughs> and then they okay. said why and I said because I'm off to Paris tomorrow uh-huh. so I I went and moved to Paris I just went and moved okay. and then while I was there a guy called Doug Wolfson uh, contacted me and said um, he, who I was in a band called Canteen with who was the uh-huh. big beat thing Yeah, yeah. do you want to make an album and so 
that was pretty much it. I went over and did an album with him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And came back to England. Um, but, yeah, and that's where Apple Rabbit started. Right. And because it kind of started, it slightly gained some momentum. So I'm still now doing it in the process of <laughs> momentum. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. So but does it feel like does it feel like it's the thing that you do now? Because there's a, there's a little bit of a theme of it of, it of it being kind of when when you've been sounds like when you've been most comfortable is when it's been the thing that you do, not as the thing that you have yeah. to do. Yeah. But and it, it's 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 got to a sort of comfortable point mm. now. But I am. I mean, I probably don't sound like I am, but I'm. I'm probably a lot more mature about the thing now. Mm. It doesn't bother me so much. It doesn't yeah. cause me as much anxiety. Yeah, yeah. So I don't have to define things. So. And you mentioned earlier on, it's that it's totally DIY. Yeah. Is that because um, no one else is involved? Uh, is, that, is that do it yourself as in do it alone or do it yourself as in we're not beholden to anyone else who's asking? We, yeah, it's me and Charlie. Mm. Charlie, who's Kilburn State, and we just do absolutely everything. Mm. So, well, no, that's not entirely true. Um, she does all of the um, talking to people mm-hmm. because she's much better at it mm-hmm. than I am. I do the music things. And the videos and the making the music yeah, yeah. and whatnot, and then any events and stuff we just do it together. But if we it, like the the EP, I, I I was making an album. <laughs> I was making this album, and I just I got myself into a bit of a tears uh-huh. <laughs> about albums. Yeah, and I got myself into a bit of a state about that whole thing of what you're supposed to do uh-huh. about. Oh God, I sound, I'm just sounding terrible here. No, I um, think it's I think it's it's because it's I we, honestly no. I think it's so fascinating that this is actually what's going on in yeah. That, that it's actually what's going on. You know, like the questions about what the hell is an album anyway, and why and, and what, what does it need to be like that? Okay, yeah, you know, you're saying I'm getting myself in a tizzy, and I'm thinking no, this is actually a really genuinely good out there question that's, oh, right, that's okay. going on. All so. right, well, okay, so um, yeah. I maybe need to talk to you a bit more often. Um, <laughs> I I got to the point was that you you get one gets stuck in these ideas that you have to do things. So it's yeah. the kind of the big commercial end of music mm. um, with the big record companies and everything, and they have a, a way of doing things, and they release singles, and then the single is backing up an album. Yeah. But if you're a little guy, you don't actually need to do that. Yeah. But there's always this kind of thing, and I think, and. Going back to the younger people and what they're doing and what I can see that they're doing. And I don't, I, I'm sorry to refer to them as younger people, but mm. they're, they're a, a different generation. Fact, they're factually, doing, they are younger. So yeah, they're, they're doing a different yeah. thing to me. And yeah, what yeah. they seem to be doing is just getting on with it. Yeah. It's not, it's not, not necessarily, that, you know, a lot of people are not necessarily aspiring to being like that. And I think I come yeah. from a sort of an old school thing yeah. where you have to pretend. And yet you've still got a big music business right now that's desperately trying to hold on to the way that things are and trying to find ways to keep it the way that it was yeah. rather than kind of understand that it's not like that anymore. So it, what is it then? It's Yeah, and it, and I had, I was going through all of this because, I, I mean, I absolutely love punk. Um, that, and it's funny, the funny thing about punk is it's, kind of, it's like the force. Yeah. It's kind of... <laughs> It's 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 when I was a kid and punk was a thing. Yeah. It was a more of a teenage thing, and punk has sort of grown up. 
in this way that it's become it doesn't sort of it's not doing the finger to everyone it's just yeah. going you don't have to do it that way yeah, you yeah. can just yeah. do whatever whatever comes yeah, into yeah, your yeah. head you can just do it yeah, and yeah. that's it and if you listen to old punk record what were you we listening to yesterday the raincoats oh. and and it just sounds brilliant and that's what I was thinking. I was thinking, I don't have to do an album. An album is rubbish. I want to... Because it's too yeah. much. Yeah. One, one we, can't, we can't deal with the cost of recording the whole thing all at once. I mean, I can do a lot of it at home, but if I want to do extra things, it, it just costs a fortune. When, when I wrote... So this last EP, which is um, Oberkampf, um, there's a whole... It, it's, it's, I've written, like violin and viola parts for it mm-hmm. and it was I, I really wanted that to go through a whole album I wanted that to be a thing yeah. and it's because I wanted to do something that I really wanted to do and I wasn't going to wasn't, it wasn't that I wasn't going to compromise I certainly was going to compromise because if ideas come up that's fine mm. but I wanted to if I was going to get something I was going to get the thing and then we'll see how it goes after that mm-hmm. but I wasn't going to chicken out mm-hmm. But it costs a bloody fortune. I, I spent, I spent like a, you know, like a grand or something, yeah. just recording extra things. Yeah, yeah. And then, well, it wasn't extra things; a big part of the thing. And then, and then we got, uh, but then we have like people like Fran Ashcroft who did the mastering because mm-hmm. I like to mixing and mastering. I like to pass the mixing on to somebody else because. Right. Everyone here, and I'm absolutely convinced my mixes are awful. Mm-hmm. Um, so the logistics of making an album are just ridiculous for someone who's really small. Mm. Where where you can do a, you know a decent size EP, and and that kind of you have to think about you know cutting your costs down all the time. Mm-hmm. I mean, and also what does it really mean? And there's the other thing. So there's 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 the kind of practical side of things, and then there's the kind of all. Oh, yeah. Mm. It, well, we're not we're not the Beatles, you know. We don't have we don't have Studio Two at our disposal whenever yeah, we yeah. feel like it. We've, we've got to we've got to work with what we have. I think I, was, I said uh, one of my other uh, people who know me will know this. One of my common themes is I say if, if, ever, if I'm ever going to write a book, the title of the book is going to be "The Beatles Ruined It for Everyone." Because mm. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> uh, just thinking about what, what you said, that, that even that I, that kind of idea of an album as a concept of something like a, a collection of songs that has some sort of relevance as a collection of songs by itself, mm. that's almost kind of back to the Beatles. Uh, on the subtitle of this book is, by the way, and if it wasn't them, it was Bob Dylan. Yeah. <laughs> um, is that kind of idea, because it's even early Beatles stuff, basically a collection of singles, it's yeah. not an album. They would release singles, they would release EPs, they would co- release a collection of songs which was called an album, so you could buy them in a bigger package. All of this driven by the fact that you could put stuff onto a long-playing record Yeah. in the first place anyway. But now it's kind of, well, who who needs that? I think... From a promotion and PR point of view, going back to the sort of, I suppose, old model label um, promotion magazines, the idea of a package of stuff as something that you can present and promote is easier. Yeah. Well, I've I'm almost got, and it's a new thing for me, because I always used to, you know, for years would have bought, I wouldn't buy the single, I'd buy the album. Mm. I didn't know what was on the album, I'd just buy the album. Yeah, and yeah. then you'd have this whole thing of, Oh, Jesus, I've got to try and get into the album. I've got to get through this. I like the there single. There must be something oh, good on Christ. it soon. Oh, my God, the album's different from the single. Mm. And there's a whole world of nightmares. And it kind of 
makes me think of that whole thing of like, well, what's the point of the album? Mm. And kind of major record companies, I suppose we're going to blame them because they're like the government, yeah. really, in this situation. They're the man. Yeah. 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 You know, if your if your act hasn't got an album, then don't release an album. I yeah. I, I think Scritty Politti, mm. who I love, incidentally, but there was there was a period of time where Scritty uh, where Scritty Politti were just releasing Squitty. I said Squitty Pilly. We're releasing singles for ages and ages yeah, yeah. before the album actually came out. So yeah. throughout the early 80s, there was like Absolute and Woodbees and all of them, yeah, yeah. Hypnotised. They all came out as singles. Yeah, yeah. And then finally in 85, the late 85, Cupid and Psyche came out. Yeah, yeah. And that seems like the way, you know, that's a quite... For... I mean, it was Virgin Records, and they were sort of slightly cool yeah, at yeah. that point. Yeah, they were almost indie. Yeah, they were yeah, sort yeah. of like just one up from Rough Trade when they had yeah, yeah. Banquet. So, you know, it's things like that. It's like, well, you, you actually don't need to, to release an album. Mm. Just, just, just have the single. You know, just let them release singles for yeah, it. And yeah, I yeah. think. When it started, that's what happened. You yeah. wouldn't get to release an album no. unless you sold loads of singles. Yeah, yeah. So, but you had to consistently sell singles. You couldn't yeah, yeah. sell just one, have one hit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because that doesn't make any sense. Yeah, yeah. Um, and so I've grown up with this idea that w- without knowing the process or their process of what some economical yeah, thing, yeah. of just going, well, I have to make an album. And then, if you were, if you consider yourself to be a sort of serious musician, yes, yeah, yeah. then you definitely have to make an album because serious people don't make yeah, singles. Yeah. Although serious punk people make singles, yeah, yeah. and then exclusively punk bands will make just singles. Yeah, yeah. So there's there, there's all sort all these sort of ideas sort of born out of these kind of subcultures yeah. that are, you know influencing. Just, just the way you kind of make your record. Mm. So I started off trying to make this album, and then there's a guy called uh, Stephen Taylor, he's a producer, mm. and I sent it to him because I just got bogged down. I just finished. I didn't know what to do with it, <laughs> and he said, "I don't know what to do," and I took it as meaning, oh, "It's crap." Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I was like, "Oh man!" So the idea of the the EP came out born out of the idea that. It was that I thought it was good, but that nobody else thought it was any good. So listen, let's do it in, in a little chunk. And then I thought, yeah. well, let's well let's do it on vinyl. And there's a big vinyl thing going on at the moment. Yeah. Which now I'm kind of thinking, oh, is that going to is that going to? And I don't care if it dwindles. I really like it. Yeah, yeah. As a as a as a, a like a format, it's it's. It's got its kind of kind of, I don't know, nerdy side or whatever. It's got this yeah. kind of real ale side. Yeah, yeah. But it's also got a side which is kind of like no, it it can sta- it, you know. I think it might be able to stand up. See, I'm not quite because I like it as like, I like the because <laughs> I'm in in a kind of the old sense, and I don't mean the old sense mm. like a colossal pervert, <laughs> <laughs> and and I like the idea that that there's a 
that someone w- you've got something in uh, something that people can't play. You you made yeah. a record that <laughs> yeah, people I'm giving, can't play. I'm giving you this thing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, This is my album, <laughs> but I've got I, I haven't got, got a record player. Play mm. <laughs> <laughs> that makes it better. <laughs> The In The Making podcast was produced by me, Martin Lumsden, at the Cream Room Recording Studio. You can find us at creamroom.co.uk. To find out more information about the In The Making podcast and to subscribe to future episodes, please go to inthemakingpodcast.com.